Hello and welcome to Falter Ego episode 13. Uh, I'm still sort of off, I think. Uh, this is just another bonus episode. It's not it's not part of the grand plan, uh, but you know, it's good to keep these things uh, pumping out. And do you pump out a podcast? Sounds a bit weird, sounds a bit seedy. Um, but it's good to keep uh, producing these bits of uh, content my goodness, everything is content these days, isn't it? Um, I yeah, I'm I'm still sort of trying to take some time off, um, and also I imagine I might even take August off as well. So if you're a Patreon uh, supporter, uh, probably look out for a notification or something saying that you know billing has been paused yet again um, because um, well, I originally took some time off because I just needed to focus on other worky things and also. I wanted to uh, just sort out some format stuff of this podcast and not keep um, putting them out while I wasn't entirely... Uh, I, I just knew I wanted to kind of rework the format a little bit so it's not just me talking uh, without any sort of structure. So I want to kind of work on segments and stuff like that. Um, but then I was intending to sort of get back into the swing of things this month, but uh, I'm going back to the UK uh, at the end of July. Uh, to help my dad uh, look after my mum, who's not well and hasn't been uh, for quite some time. Um, she's got a form of uh, dementia, which um called diffuse Lewy body syndrome, uh, which is not pleasant at all. Not that any... <laughs> she's got a really uh, good dementia, so that actually makes you smarter. Uh, or none of them are pleasant, obviously. Um and so I'll be doing that, and I don't think I've I've been thought. Oh, you know, I could take my all my my recording stuff home, you know, my little microphone and my Zoom H five. It's not too heavy. Could record some stuff on there, but it just you know that would also just be grossly insensitive and stupid. And uh, I don't know why I would. It'd be, it'd be ironic for a podcast about you know being mindful and present to be spending potentially my last my last. Um, you know, good good times with my mum while she still recognises who I am and stuff. Uh, in the back of my head, st still dedicating mental RAM to, okay, yeah, but what's episode 14 going to be about? Um, so uh, I don't think I'll take any, any recording stuff home because that would be silly. Um, and I think most of my time is going to be taken up um, just helping dad and, um, you know, trying to keep my mum happy. So I imagine, so I'll be going home at the end of July for almost a month um, because also my sister has been looking after my mum because my, my sister stayed, has always been in the UK and uh, myself and my brother were selfish and went gallivanting around the world and so she's been bearing the brunt of um, all the care and helping dad while um, during the pandemic and you know I've, I've not been able to get home. And now, you know, things are opening up, the world's reopening because COVID is over slash worse than ever. <laughs> One of the two. Oh my gosh, there's proof that we live in a, a reality of our own making, isn't it? Depending on what. <laughs> the newspapers say COVID's over, the government's saying COVID's over, get back to normal. COVID, on the other hand, <laughs> has decided, has anybody asked me whether I'm over? I'm right bloody here. Don't know why COVID's got a northern accent. Um, <laughs> you're living in a fantasy. I'm right here, fucking killing loads of people. I'm not over at all. 
That's just like wishful thinking or something. Um, I don't think COVID would sound like that. It would sound more wheezy, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> sound like um, who was the who was the dog from the, that cartoon? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Muttley. That's what COVID would sound like. Just a wheezy little fucking globule of sputum. It'd be a squelchy wheeze. That's what that's what COVID would sound like. Um, but yes, my sister's been looking after my helping looking after my mum while COVID's been going on and I've not been able to get home and the world's, as I said, reopened. Uh, and I've got all my my shots and stuff, so I'm heading home to do that. Anyway, this has been a long update about me in a show that's about not focusing on yourself. Um, how ironic. But um, anyway, so this episode, I, I, I just wanted to record something because I stumbled on a lovely little uh, insight in a book I was reading and I wanted to share it with you, uh, especially in the context of this podcast, because it was sort of a almost a throwaway uh, point made in this book that I was reading. And it seemed to yeah, spark quite a few things for me anyway. So I was reading a book called Stolen Focus uh, by Johan Harry. Uh, and uh, it's a book about our attention spans and uh, how we're losing our ability to focus and thanks to devices and diets and there's you know he, he goes into a lot of research for multiple factors that are ruining our capacity to um, remember things and focus on things it's a really great book and I thoroughly recommend it and uh, if you get a chance to read it you really really should there's a lot of stuff I read in there I was like Jesus Christ and I've I'm someone who's already quite, you know, um, skittish and uh, um, sk- not scared, but just like I'm just very wary of my iPhone and I, you know, I look at my screen time at the end of every day aghast. Like I'm pretty sure today I was really good and then I check it out. It's like two and a half, three hours. Like what the hell? How did that happen? Did I enter some sort of fugue state and just text people and look at... And I do. Like, I enter... I, As much as I wish I could be a mindful, uh, present human being, and I, you know, I meditate every morning and I do all sorts of lovely things to look after my brain, uh, partly inspired by uh, my mum, obviously. I'm just like, oh, I've really got to look after my... Look after the grey matter. Um, I still... You know, you get into, you click on bloody YouTube and then three hours have gone. Anyway, it's a really, really great book and lists lots of different factors as to why we're losing our capacity to focus. Anyway, one, one of the things um, he, he mentions as a sort of side effect of our inability to focus and uh, the more time we're spending on our devices is uh, empathy uh, that we're losing. Well, we're not losing empathy, but we're, we're avoiding doing activities which help foster empathy. And one of the main ones was uh, reading, reading uh, specifically fiction, uh, although nonfiction helps as well. Um, because as we're spending more time on devices where we're scrolling and uh, the, the, the way we're reading is changing, the mechanics of how we read is changing. So we, back in the old days, when I say the old days, I mean the 90s, <laughs> which is like back in the days of yore, uh, which is 30 years ago. Uh, it's not that long ago at all, is it? Um, but back in the pre-internet, or not even pre-internet, pre-social media, 
pre-apps days, uh, the way we would read would be to the, the I guess the, the mindset we entered when we were reading things was, I'm going to sit down and absorb this and I'm, I'm willing to commit to this for the long haul in the hope that of experiencing a broad, a whole gamut of either learning lots of different types of information or staying with a story for a long time and the payoff being the kind of the rewarding feeling for having finished a book or finishing a chapter or finishing a narrative. Whereas now increasingly, um, especially young people who, you know, have grown up with nothing but knowing the internet, um, increasingly we're reading to, we're, we're skimming for uh, or scanning for specific details or skimming for gist. Um, there's two different types. Those are two different types of reading skills, scanning and skimming. I used to teach English as a foreign language. That was my um, life uh, for about 10, 10 years, maybe a bit less than that, about eight years. And, um, you know, you teach, uh, a lot of students want to know how to read an English newspaper. Um, and, you know, it's just about training them to go, well, look, if you want to, if you want to find out, um, if you want to find out specific details, just have a few keywords in mind and just scan your eyes up and down until you find those words. So if it's, you know, if it's somebody's been murdered, look for the word murder or kill or gun or, you know, look for that kind of stuff. And if you're skimming for gist, then uh, again, look at the headline and maybe just re read, you know, a couple of sentences here and there just to get this sense of, oh, it's a story about, you know, um, a a high school shooting um, and there's a number of people, there's the number of victims and you've, so you've seen a number and you've seen the headline and now you understand the, the majority of the story and you walk away. But that, that was sort of just, you teach high school, you teach um, foreign students that who, where English isn't their first language as a way of enabling them to digest news without having to understand thousands and thousands and thousands of words right because to be able to read you know a, a sort of a more formal newspaper like the times in the uk or um, the print version of the guardian the new york times you know the vocabulary vocabulary level is really high but you want to enable them to understand what's going on in the english-speaking world without having to um and especially because you want them to immerse right you want students to immerse so you you say look while you're living in Sydney, while you're living in London, try to read English newspapers. Don't read your own newspapers in your language or don't translate them because the more experience you get, the more you're immersed in English, the better. So here's two tools you can use when your English isn't, you know, at the level of reading the New York Times, at least you can read and get scan for details and skim for gist. So those are people who can't speak English. Those are skill sets that are useful for people who can't speak English. Increasingly, how a foreign person reads an English newspaper to get the bare minimum is for the past 15 to 20 years how we've all started to read uh, anything, all content online. We're just checking the headline, check, checking the summaries, kind of, you know, scrolling with our thumb until we find the few little bits. And then either we find the information we want or worse than that, spending 30 seconds doing that, we're already bored and you close the tab or you press back, you know, and you go back to the thing and find another article. I found myself doing that. 
It's even worse now thanks to algorithms and stuff that know all the articles I've read and the articles I'm interested in, which is, you know, sort of, unfortunately, I, I keep trying to keep tabs on like the Marvel universe um, because I'm just, I'm just intrigued where cinema is going and what the hell's, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, obviously keep up with Star Wars. Um, but again, in a very detached way, but now, you know, Google is serving me up when I go on my phone to the to Google Chrome, that's all I get is like ten top moments in Obi Wan Kenobi. Or here's here's what Kevin Feige says about um, who could play the next Wolverine, and I fucking click it, and I skim, skim, skim. Oh, there's a name. There's who he says it could be. And I've there's like thirty paragraphs there, and then all I do is skim for the name, and then I move on. Anyway, the point is, we're all reading in a way where we're no longer committing to the long haul and we're no longer um, willing to invest huge amounts of time in order to to learn a piece of information. Instead, we're just skimming through and finding something or even not and getting bored and moving on. And, you know, I think the average reading time that people spend on an article now is down to like sub one minute. and that is affecting all, all, all the time we're spending on our devices reading on in that way and reading tweets and Facebook posts, these tiny snippets of content where, you know, you're done in about, oh my word, that was an interesting vehicular noise. Um, all that time, I'm not going to edit that out, don't have time. The, um, all the time, you know, looking at these tiny snippets of information where you're done, yeah, in like 10 seconds, how long does it? tweet take to read and then you're on to the next tweet and the next one um is eroding you know our our long reading muscles are atrophying um and we're getting more trained to read in this kind of quick snippy snappy quick satisfaction immediate satisfaction short-term satisfaction um way and with that mindset and with that expectation the 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 problem with that is that that's a very egocentric motivation for reading. It's like, what do I want to know? What do I want to get out of this? Am I interested in this? That's boring me. No, not good enough. Like we're not willing to stick with stuff. And often, you know, we're not sticking with stuff because it's somebody else's perspective or somebody else has written this really long, beautiful article. You know, here's a story about my journey from as a refugee from you know A to B. And it's like, oh man. This, this is a long-form article by the New York Times in collaboration with Vox or something. This is this is a 30-minute read. I mean, they even put that at the top of articles now, don't they? Four-minute read, five-minute read, as if the length of an article is somehow a barrier to, to being able to read it. It's like, yeah, short is better, thanks. No, it's not. Fucking, it's, it's quick to make a fucking Big Mac and fries. It takes a lot longer to make a organic casserole slow cooked for eight hours with shit loads of nutrients in it but which one is the one you should be shoving into your face same thing goes for reading okay quicker does not mean better anyway one of the things that uh johan harry mentions in this article and he, he talks to a few people who've been researching data about you know and surveys and how how long people are now reading fiction books or just reading books in general is that we are losing our capacity to read them um, in the same way that we used to. 
Um, he even recounts his own personal experience of, you know, trying to read a book and just getting frustrated after a few pages because it's like, yeah, but I want to check my phone now or this hasn't been exciting or it's a bit too plodding. Um, the the motivation to read is, is, is a bit different. The mechanics are different. And the a casualty of that is empathy. And the reason for that is that when we're reading fiction, over time, as you learn to love these characters and, and start to imagine this different world, just the mere act of imagining a different world is a form of, it's like empathy training because you're being forced to imagine something that isn't you and your experience and where you can only relate to people if they've had a similar lived experience to you or if they're very similar to you. Um, you're being forced to use your own brain to conjure t fantastical worlds um, or different worlds or just, you know, someone who's got a, a very, very different life to you. You know, if you're reading a book about a, I don't know, uh, someone growing up um, in a developing country or, uh, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or a cop or a, someone who, a medic or whatever, something that you're not. Um your brain's being forced to imagine these things. And what that's really good for is increasing your, what's it called, EQ, like emotional intelligence and ability to empathize with other people because you've had lots and lots and lots of practice trying to imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. And contemporary content, just realized I referred to this podcast as content as well, so... Sounds the same umbrella. I am the problem. <laughs> Falter Ego is the podcast where every episode he tells you not to listen to the podcast. It's going really well. Um, but the problem with contemporary content is that it doesn't, it doesn't give you that, um, it doesn't force your brain to go through that kind of empathy gymnasium. You're not lifting heavy empathy weights when you're scrolling through content, looking at tweets, re skimming through an article because it had a headline that vaguely intrigued you and you just want to get in as quickly as you want, uh, as you can, read the bit that you needed and get out. They're almost like, I, I, I feel like reading th these days is more like raiding, you know, like you burst, kicking a door down like a SWAT team. Where's the information? Go, go, go. Like you're just kicking a door down with guns blazing and like, where's the fucking information hostages? Give it to me, give it to me now. It's all very like shouty and get in. This is it's a black bag operation. We're going to click the link, open the article and uh, going to find that information and then get the fuck out of there. There's going to be a heli evacuation at 0500. Like reading just becomes this like quick, swift, surgical military operation. It's it's not the, the reading a book is the total opposite of that. It's, that's a that's a. Uh, that's a wander through vistas and taking it all in and enjoying it, you know. But our, our, the way we read has shifted to this more, um, what's the word, a transactional relationship. Like, what can I get out of this as quickly as I can? And how can you as a writer minimize your demands on my attention? Um, please, thank you very much. What's that, a two-minute article read? Thank you. I'll read that one. The 10-minute read? Fuck off. Um, so if, uh, because we're reading fiction 
less and less, and maybe you're listening to this and thinking that's bollocks. I, I read all the time. Maybe you are, but you are just one person. The general trend seems to be we're spending more and more time on our devices, uh, binging as well. Um, and again, that I don't think watching. I mean, the, the things we binge. You know, it's it's a it's a market driven enterprise, isn't it? So, I mean, the the things that do well are generally, you know, Real Housewives of wherever, Fuck Island, um, Celebrity Shag Palace, whatever these fucking awful shows are. That's what we get drawn to because again, we're drawn to like spectacle and flashy lights because we're just, you know, it's the same reason we like poker machines and all, you know, slot machines or whatever. It's a televisual slot machine, that stuff. It really is. It's so bad for you. Um, so that's not good for empathy either. So we're, we're just constantly demanding that our attention needs are sated by this short, glitzy, snappy tripe. Um, and we're not getting nourished. And our, our empathy muscles are not getting prodded the way they need to be. And the, a great way they can get prodded is by sitting down with a book and reading it for, you know, 40 minutes and spending that that long, investing that long, slow time being patient and slow, not needing to be stimulated and being happy to be in somebody else's world and not focusing on your needs and what you want to learn and what you're interested in being driven by your uh, what you've clicked on previously and what Google is serving up for you is here's some more stuff that you're interested in. I mean, the internet is entirely ego-based and it's it's no wonder it's decreasing empathy. Um, now, why is any of this important? Well, because empathy, I, I get frustrated when people defend the internet. Say, well, it's just the next thing, isn't it? I mean, when the printing press came along, people were worried, blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's not... The, the internet isn't just an evolution. It's not just a faster version of books. Okay, it's, it's changing the way our brains work and not for the better. Okay, just, I mean, I always say this, you know, uh, people say insert X, insert thing here is the way of the future. The internet is the future. You know, that's where it's going. I know it is the future, but so is everything that happens after now. It's impossible for anything not to be the future if it happens next. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's good. We've got to stop arguing that the internet equals progress just because the chips that power it and the devices that enable us to look at it are constantly improving. As if making a thing faster equals equals some sort of advance. You know, oh, I've made a, this gun can now fire more bullets. Well, that's... That's a regress. Not, it's not progress just because a, a piece of negative technology has been made more efficient. You've got to, we've got to stop conflating progress with technological evolution because they're not the same. I mean, I can, I can, I'm sure McDonald's is progressing all the time. They've got those menus now where you order it. The whole process is a lot more efficient. Is that good? No, because what they're putting in your mouth is bad for you. Um, what we're consuming on the internet is changing our brains. It's and you cannot argue. It's a it's an absolute bullshit turd of an argument to say, oh yeah, it's, but it's just like books, but better. Because that's a lie. It's just a lie. Um, 
But why is empathy important? Because we're not we're not going to get anywhere very quickly um, if we can't work together. We've got a lot of problems facing uh, the general human project at the moment. Uh, global warming being an obvious one, but others as well. You know, um, inequality. Um, Sorry, I nearly had a weird, had to, nearly had a panic attack mid sentence. That was a bit weird. Um, inequality, um, the the rich poor divide, uh, distribution of food, uh, the pandemic ongoing, um, whatever the next virus is when that comes in. You know, I mean, there's another thing that's advancing all the time. Coronavirus. It's got so much more efficient. It's it's progress. Yeah, it's not really is it. It's a bad thing. That's become better at doing its job um but whenever the next virus comes along you know we all need to work together and as we saw with uh, covid getting humans to agree to anything uh on mass is is almost impossible and seeing things from other people's positions is, is also becoming increasingly difficult the more time we spend uh on phones on twitter and in ingesting information in a short snappy way to satisfy ourselves not out of a desire to uh, learn anything about anybody else or put ourselves in someone else's shoes going online is very much about me and my shoes and wanting other people to be in my shoes not me that's i should just start an app called my twitter should just be called my shoes be in my shoes now please.com Anyway, the um, the short version is that um, we need more empathy. And so the way to do that, um, one way to foster more empathy is by putting yourself in other people's shoes for long periods of time. And that's a muscle. It is a muscle. Um, so in short, yeah, we read a book, <laughs> read fiction, because it really helps. And it's, it's something that slowly is, um, we're not making a part of our, day-to-day routine as much as we should we're going to bed the last thing we're doing before we go to sleep is looking at a screen our phones checking email again all these like snippet bite-sized things and then you don't sleep as well um and then you're a nervous anxious uh, wreck the next morning and you're like why am i so tired all the time because you're checking your phone before you go to sleep um so you know read a book before bed for 30 minutes it's something quiet it's something relaxing um but we need we've got a lot of problems we've got lots of global problems that require um people working together and uh there is that old you know we the phrase put aside our differences to fight a common enemy used to be like the clarion call of any successful movement and we're increasingly moving in, uh, towards a culture that is the opposite of that. It's talk about nothing but your differences. Talk about everything that's about you and get into squabbles online and arguments with other people and don't try and see things from their perspective. Um, Don't try to spend much time imagining how someone else could think differently to you. Um, Don't show empathy for people who've wandered off the beaten track. Um, People who've slipped into conspiracy theorism or who are pro, you know, pro uh you know fiercely uh inhumane immigration policies you know don't try and engage with these people um 
we need more empathy in the world, not less. And uh, I thought it was just interesting reading that story, reading that book, Stolen Focus, that um, that was an interesting insight that uh, people who read less fiction, and as we all uh, read less and less and spend more time reading in this different way, this scanning, skimming, um, you know, uh, craving stimulation, sating a need for your eyeballs being on something that as we move towards that more and more um, our capacity for empathy decreases because uh, we want to get in and get out as fast as possible and uh, that's not what empathy that's what empathy is about empathy is about sitting with someone and, and listening to them for a long time sometimes takes someone a very long time to explain how or why they've done something wrong or how and why they've come to be the person they are. Um, you know, empathy isn't a quick uh, mechanism. It's not a quick emotion. It's not a quick state of mind. It's a slow burn. It's a slow state of mind. It's the nutritious casserole uh, of the brain uh, versus the quick and easy Big Mac. Um, and it's therefore far more, you know, nutritious and healthy and more rewarding. Um, but it takes effort and, um, you know, you can't, you, you can't get into someone else's shoes. You can't understand what, why someone thinks the way they do. And, and also those people can't communicate why they think the way they do in 140, 220 characters, or whatever. And they're not, in, they're not interested in explaining why either. They're just, they're all they communicate is the, the, the 100th step in isolation, they, we can't communicate the 99 that took to get there. Um, that's all we're interested in. I think this, well, this is shit. I hate this. Well, this has made me angry. So there's no depth to that. There's just reaction. Um, and that's not, that's, those aren't muscles we need to be building. And again, I, I will happily get into an argument with anyone who thinks that who says that, well, it's just, you know, people who don't get Twitter and TikTok and whatever. Um, they're just old people who don't like the new thing. It's not, it's not that. We're past that argument now. We've run the experiment. It's bad. It's it's bad for us. Um, and it's not, um, it's not that it's building new alternative muscles that uh, better adapt us for, um, you know, life in 2022. They're building muscles we don't need, um, or even worse, they're atrophying the ones we do. Um, so it's not some new skill set. That's an alternative to uh, a better alternative to the way humans used to live. It's um, it's a completely um, irrelevant and toxic uh, suite of skills that we're developing that are in no way uh, an evolution of skills we already had. They're the the antithesis of the skills we need. Anyway, I thought I'll keep this one short, um, but I just wanted to share that with you and I, I thoroughly recommend reading Stolen Focus. Um, uh, it's got a lot of really interesting insights in there, that being one of them. Um, but there's a lot in there, a lot of science, a lot of research, a lot of hard stats, and it's a good read and it's written uh, in a way that's enjoyable uh, to read as well. Um, and yeah. So I'll put this out and uh, hopefully there'll be another one coming in a couple of weeks, um, but it's still my time off. Um, so again, supporters, don't worry, your bank accounts won't be draining 
while I'm going through this little uh, trip to the UK. All right. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Have a lovely day.